Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza, and you can find out more and stay abreast to all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. This episode is about how to supercharge your creative work so that it's extremely potent for your audience and bake in layers of meaning to your practice so that you have the motivation to keep making even while living in such unpredictable times. Let's go. Sophie and I were going through our messy basement uh, this weekend, and we've been avoiding it for years. And I think a big part of the reason why we put it off is because it's kind of a artist's hall of shame. (laughs) Uh, There's a million canvases, half painted, old merchandise that we never sold. You know, ideas were like, oh, this is going to be so good. And then it just flopped. Um, There's tools and materials that we bought with like hopes and dreams. And then we never touched them again because it it just wasn't right or whatever. You know, my, it kind of reminds me of my drafts on my Twitter. I don't know if this is the same for you, but I probably have as many untweeted tweets as I do tweeted tweets. Um, Sometimes, you know, I'll get halfway through a piece of work and I'll just think, what is the point? Do you ever feel like that? You ever get halfway through making something and you're just like, what is the point of this? Who am I that I am so special that I need to ask for more than just to get by in life? That I, I don't I don't just need to get from point A to point B. Oh no, that's not enough for Andy. I need to be heard and seen while I'm doing it. Look at me, look at me, I'm Andy. <laughs> Why don't I just give up? Do you ever feel like that? I feel like that. Even now, I felt like that two weeks ago. You know, I was discouraged about just how hard it is to make stuff and put it out into the world and just all of the feelings and emotions and the roller coaster of doing that. Um, And sometimes you're like, what is this even? What can I just be (laughs) normal? Why do I need to do this? What's so special about me? Uh, This episode is why you can't leave your story in the drafts 
why we need your hurts and your perspectives and your failures and your triumphs put into your art and shared with us, the world. We need you to tell your story. Why? Because your story isn't about you. That's why. My wife's favorite thing to do, Sophie's favorite thing to do is be in the garden. You know, she's British. The British gardens, it's very, it's a huge thing over there. You know, they're a lot more organic, not not just like organic produce, but just like, you know, there's the stuff growing into each other and they're just alive and, and they're beautiful. And she loves being out there all day you know, getting her hands dirty, you know, at the end of the day, her hands are, you know, caked in dirt. <laughs> and, uh, she's, she comes in and she's just a giant clump of dirt. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but you know, that feeling of you're like, your hands have been in the soil, that kind of thing. That's, that's what she does so much throughout the spring and summer. Um, and last summer, while she was out in the garden, I'm just laughing about her as a big clump of dirt. Um, <laughs> Last summer, she was out in the garden and she heard something that really disturbed her. It was a car horn. And it wasn't that it was beeping, you know, beep, 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 beep. It was that it beeped once, but it never stopped. Uh, it was just not beep, 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 but And, and and she thought, oh my gosh, something is wrong. Someone's hurt. Someone's in a fight. Someone is pissed off. And it was coming closer. It was like an automotive jaws closing in for the kill. But instead of dunna, 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 it was just dunna, which was way scarier in my opinion until it sounded like it was just outside of our house. Then all of a sudden... She got a text from me, and it read, something's wrong with my car horn. <laughs> and we tried everything to do to get it to stop. Neighbors were coming out of their houses, and uh, in the end, it wouldn't stop until I just pulled the fuse on the car horn and just disabled it altogether. So as a storyteller, my first inclination, like even as it was happening, I was thinking, you know, I feel embarrassed, I feel stupid, but this is a good story and I'm going to call my friend Kyle when this is over and tell him about it because he's a storyteller too. And uh, I called him up, told him about the incident, and I knew he'd get a kick out of it and I was right, he was cracking up. But then he said something that I didn't expect. He was like, so what, now your car just doesn't have a horn. And I replied, ah, yeah, no, but it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not one of these people who needs some fancy car without a scratch on it, fully loaded. No, I don't need peak performance. I know who I am. I'm just a goofball dude who's lucky to have a car. I'm lucky to, to have a way to get from point A to point B. Uh, you know, I don't need to be seen and heard while I'm doing it. And he's like, dude, <laughs> it's not a car horn isn't a luxury. It's a safety concern. It can be life or death. They don't put those car horns in there just to be just so you can say hi to your neighbors and annoy them with beep. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it got me thinking about this. And and I realized that being heard isn't a luxury. It's a matter of survival. And yeah, it might not be your survival we're talking about. You might be fine. But what about others like you? If you keep quiet, if you don't tell your truth, what about them? What happens to them? You know, I, I'm someone I've talked about it on the show. I grew up without my mom. And, you know, it wasn't until... I was uh, in my 20s that I realized how uncommon of a story that is. You know, it's much more common to grow up without your dad. And I, it wasn't until I met someone in my 20s who had had that experience that I felt some healing. And I was like, man, I didn't realize that part of the reason why this was such a burden is I just felt so alone. 
But when I heard someone else tell that story, it changed me. It, it woke me up to some things. It healed some things. You know, part of the reason I'm so open about my ADHD is to clear the way for people that are in that lane. So when you get halfway through that creative act and you feel like giving up and you feel like, who am I? Who do I think I am that I need to not just get from point A to point B? I need to be seen and heard while doing it. Heck, I'm just lucky to get by it all. Why ask for more? I want you to remember if you somehow squeeze through with just a few bumps and bruises, remember those people in the same lane as you coming up right behind you, they might not be so lucky. So make some noise, clear the path, alert others to make some room, tell your story, keep trying to express yourself. Be heard and show the world its blind spots. They need to know there's some people coming up right on through here and you just by going about your way, you are about to crush them. Okay, so you're like, Andy, that sounds great. I'm all in. I'm ready to follow through and keep working at telling my story and or expressing myself through creative work. Do you have any tips? Well, I'm glad you asked. asked. <laughs> in fact, I have three tips. Here's the first tip on how to actually do this. Number one, become high lingual. <laughs> so you're probably saying... I've heard bilingual, I've even heard trilingual, but I've never heard of highlingual. Mom, Andy J Pizzas told me to get high. Whoa, 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 man. I'm not telling you to get high or nothing. It's not about getting high. It's about art as a higher, high, higher form of communication. Art is a different, higher language. And embracing this can have a big effect on how you approach your creative work. And I know you're like, whoa, man, that just blew my freaking mind. <laughs> but maybe your mind's not blown yet. Hold on, stick with me. Maybe that's not you. Uh, maybe you're not highlingual yet. What if all art is just a higher form of communication? And in comparison, normal words are just a primitive form of expressing yourself. What if art bubbled up from a yearning to say everything that we couldn't say any other way? When I was driving home with my horn stuck, back, back to that story, my horn was blaring all the way home through my neighborhood. And there was this moment when this construction worker, like, waved at me and yelled, think you're pretty funny? And he was angry. And I felt so embarrassed. And, uh, you know, the car horn is a primitive form of communication. There's not much you can say with it. Lots of people have tried to say more than, than, what's, than what it's capable of, and it never works. Don't suggest it. You ever try to greet someone with a horn? Hi! <laughs> doesn't doesn't have the right sentiment. How are you? It's just not a good idea. Don't try it. And definitely don't try to compliment someone with a horn. Nice Crocs! That was nice Crocs. That's what I was saying to you. You'll be misunderstood. And that's how I felt in the car. I felt misunderstood alone in how this <laughs> nice Crocs, nice Crocs, um, <laughs> alone in how in this lower form of communication and, and they were getting it all wrong. And then in that car, something happened. It just bubbled up out of me, man. I became high lingual. I had to find a higher way of communicating. And, uh, and I remembered I can talk. And I shouted back, it's busted. And the construction worker's face just instantly changed. He understood me. The relief. I saw this face before. I, I'd seen it before. And my father, this construction worker was my long lost father. <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. Can you imagine if that 
was the actual punchline of that story. No, I didn't bury the lead that far. Um, no, it wasn't my dad. The expression, that's the, I've seen that expression before. My dad had this expression when I finally explained to him why to me working as a cashier made me feel ill. My dad is like a finance guy. His brain is super different than my scattered ADHD brain. And he thought that I was just complaining or just being lazy until I explained what was going on with an analogy. You know, for me, analogy is poetry. It's a storytelling device. You know, all stories are an analogy for me. And I use it in my words and my illustrations all the time because as someone with a neurodivergent brain, I long for seeing that expression in others. That, you know, these people that have my whole life looked at me with a, you know, a scrunched up face of confusion and judgment of like, what the heck is wrong with you, man? I bet there was a time in your life where words were that car horn blaring, like it didn't matter what you said, this lower form of communication just was not getting through. This is probably about the time your feelings of being misunderstood and judged and alone bubbled up outside of you and overtook you and you became high lingual. That's right. You started making things, man. You started making art because you had to get it out of you. You wanted to connect. But it's a, it's a, it's a journey. You know, learning to get better and better at actually being heard through your work. And I think embracing art as a higher form of communication can actually shortcut you a little bit to that. So you're like, how does that help? Well, what do you mean by that? What, what's going on? Settle down. Why are you getting so out of control? Um, <laughs> this mindset shift was huge for me as a creative prompt. A while back, I was working with a creative person and we had a long call and we couldn't seem to get anywhere. He, like he could not find the heart of his work. And then just before we hung up, he said, uh, oh, this has nothing to do with my art, but I want to tell you about this kind of meditation that changed my life. And I just love it so much. It changed everything for me. And so even though I don't know if anyone listens to me when I say it, I just can't help but pass it on. And I was like, boom, this has everything to do with your art. This is the heart of your next project. I said, dude, I said, dude, it's time to, to become bilingual. This is your next illustration project. Bilingual. <laughs> It's so dumb. Um, you got to use your art to get their attention, to transfer. You got to use illustration super communication power to transfer your thoughts and feelings into others with this higher form of communication that you have in your drawings. And he just lit up and went to work. But this isn't bound to illustration. This isn't an illustration podcast. Um, you know, I have many forms of art that I have, you know, I'm like – three or four times bilingual by now. <laughs> and I, and, and so it's not just bound to illustration. You know, I did this in episode 302. Uh, I'm so obsessed with the movie about time. If you haven't seen it, I don't know, maybe you won't like it. I don't know, but I freaking love that movie. That movie is kind of what I aspire to do with my art. It, 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 I, I really, what I want to do on this planet is tell stories that make people say yes to life. And that movie does that. It reminds me what life is all about. And I usually sob after I watch it. I just love it. I love that. It's cheesy, but it's also just fantastic. And I started to notice this plot device of time control in so many of my favorite things. The character in that can control time as a time superpower of some kind. And my kids watch this show called Bluey. It's amazing. I really want to get the creator of the show on this show, uh, highly recommend for kids. It's so funny and so good. Um, but they use time as a plot device as well, like these little time hops showing the kids grow up. And every time they do that, I'm just like shed a tear watching this, this cartoon with my kids. Um, just really powerful, really moving. And I was anal and analyzing this obsession. Uh, and I realized that it's weird how this plot device of controlling time is used to 
communicate why we need to stay present. I just thought that little turn of phrase was interesting and it inspired the time traveling opener to episode 302. I use this thing that almost no one seems to want to talk to me about, the movie about time uh, in, in Bluey. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I dug in and I found something I could express with my art. It became a prompt for the opener of episode 302. So number one on this list is a prompt. Take that thing that changed your life, that lesson, that idea, that art, that person, whatever it is, that dream. You know, no one will listen to my dreams. I have weird dreams, man. That's why I made a dream journal because nobody would listen to why I like them so much. I wanted to draw. I have this dream journal that I made with Chronicle Books. It came from this obsession with art or this obsession with dreams. No one wants to hear you talk about your dreams. I became bilingual. Um, how many how many times can I say that? The challenge is to make something that finally helps you tell the people in your life what this thing is, that that's deep in your heart, something you're angry about, something you love. How can you use your art so they finally get it? When regular words don't work, use art. My second tip for leaning into art as a higher language is to embrace art as a means for loving people. The most important thing I think that you can communicate is love. Now, some of you cantankerous, BA, punk rock, anti-establishment artists, you know, the grouchy artists that want to stick it to the man or tear something down that's oppressive. Maybe loving people through your art sounds like that's not me. But I would argue even when you're tearing down an oppressive thing, you're doing so for the love of something else. You're not changing the status quo because you're motivated by the system. You're motivated by creating a new system or getting rid of a system that's hurting people you love. It's still rooted in love no matter if you come at it through anger or uh, you know, being sweet. Like it, th it's the same thing. Uh, love is our primary driver, in my opinion. I think it's the, the, you know, whether it's through evolution or some kind of divine calling, love is the way that we are motivated to do what we do and stay on this planet and keep working and, and what have you. And art is a higher tool, not just of communication, but means of loving. You can cut deeper. You can love deeper with art. Did you ever have a Beyonce song or a Switchfoot song or a Waxahachie song or a MF Doom? Rest in peace, MF Doom. I love MF Doom. Um, you know, song. Did, did any of the, did you ever have a song where you felt seen and heard and therefore loved? That's the higher power of art to love. Art is love at scale. That's what it does. It's, it's magic. With this in mind, I want to introduce to you an integrated framework for thinking about your art, meaning let's integrate this idea with Gary Chapman's model of love languages. If you're not familiar, love languages is a theory that there are basically five primary ways of showing and receiving love. It's just this idea that we all give and receive love in different ways. Uh, and we'll break them down in a minute, but they're essentially giving and receiving gifts, number one. Number two, physical touch. Number three, acts of service. Number four, quality time. Number five, words of affirmation. And I want to put a creative twist on this. Uh, one interesting thing to note uh, just about love language is your primary mode of receiving love isn't always the way that you give it. The purpose of this framework is probably to create not an exhaustive scientific list of exactly how humans give and receive love, but rather to give some handles to the idea of love so that we can hold on to it and do a better job doing it and participating in it. Um, so many relational problems come down to just not understanding how the people you're in relationship with, uh, with give and receive love. There's a, so much misunderstanding because our receptors and, and the way that we give love is just so different from person to person. Um, and we, and if you don't know that you can feel unloved when someone's really loving you, or you can try to give love and it never be received. And so when you have some knowledge of this, you can change the way you approach it. And I think that if you combine 
combine this with your creativity, if you see your creativity and your art as a means for loving people and you see these different categories, you can actually do a more uh, finely tuned, exacting job. And so that's what we're going to do. So let's mix this idea with creativity and find out what your creative love language is. So number one, uh, gifts. So gifts are about giving and receiving gifts. Like a lot of people show love through this means. One person in my life that I noticed had the love language of gift giving is my buddy Kyle Sheely that I mentioned earlier today. Uh, he he's given me a few gifts that I thought were extremely thoughtful. And when this, you know, when you are given a gift from a gift giver with the love language of gifts, you feel delighted and you feel seen. Uh, and the and a lot of people make art in this way. Kyle. For instance, uh, I feel like so much of what he does in his creative work is just exactly one for one a gift for his audience where he's doing the time and energy and taking things so much further than are necessary, which is kind of the secret of delight, just pushing things past what is necessary into what is, you know, lavish, uh, and and actually, a great example of this is he created this little uh, art project, but also a gift for his dad, where he uh, photoshopped and fixed a photo. I'm not going to give it away. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but this, he cataloged this thing on a TikTok, and he went from 17 followers on TikTok to the next day had over a million followers. <laughs> uh, and I think this is a lot about him owning his creative love language. And, uh, and, and actually, the funny thing is, it's a catalog of a creative project that was an actual gift for his dad. And it's super funny, and you should check it out. But basically, any art form that is primarily about delight, I think falls into this category, things like comedy, design, a lot of design and, and conceptual illustration is about a moment of delight, like a moment of surprise. Uh, action movies, I actually think fall in this category where it's really just like wowing people. Uh, and it's just putting a lot of time and energy into that. Some examples of people that I think fall into this category, comedian Dave Chappelle, definitely comedian Bo Burnham, uh, and illustrator Christoph Neiman come to mind. So that's the creative love language of gifts. If you feel like when you're making creative thing that you're kind of toiling in the dark, giving excess amount of energy to a thing, highlighting a thing, you know, just uh, going that extra mile to surprise and delight that moment when you reveal this thing to your people, you might have the creative love language of gifts. Okay, for the second one, it's uh, – Physical touch is the love language, but we're going to call it emotional touch because you're rarely touching somebody physically <laughs> with your creative work. But I think whether you're physically touching somebody or you're emotionally touching somebody, I think what makes the person feel loved is the act of vulnerability. You know, when you uh, hug your brother or, you know, reach out and, and, and touch the, your, the shoulder of your spouse or whatever, there's a vulnerability, you know, uh, the, the, a sense of you're allowing yourself to be rejected and, and you're letting your guard down. And I think that kind of vulnerability is the same thing that happens when someone is uh, emotionally vulnerable. And, and, and seeks to touch someone emotionally. And I think examples of this are storytellers, musicians, the theater is a great example, specific examples. Pixar, I think, is all about this. Lin-Manuel Miranda is probably one of my favorites. Um, and then Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I'm a huge fan of the show Fleabag, and, uh, and I think that is just an insane exercise in vulnerability. And there's something about, you know, if your love language, if your creative love language is emotional touch, it's probably something about sharing your personal, vulnerable story. And if those are the kind of stories that light you up, that might be your creative love language. I think this is kind of my secondary one. And I think as you're going through this list, maybe try to find which is primary and which is secondary. All right, number three is acts of service. And this is defined by just 
physically acting, physically doing something, either, you know, making your uh, spouse a tea, if you're me, that's an act of service, you know, going on a errand, going in and just physically putting yourself below that person, serving them, putting them on a pedestal and saying, hey, you're worthy of this. And I think acts of service, that humility, it makes the person feel cherished and important and privileged and, and makes them feel worthy. And typical mediums for this creative love language, I think the food industry is an obvious one. Music, I think, falls in this category. One of my favorites of this one is acting because I think actors uh, physically – you know, contort themselves. They they push themselves. You know, some of them push themselves physically in terms of losing weight or gaining weight, or they they actually put their bodies and lives on the line in service of the medium. And 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 I think that that kind of falls into this category. Uh, a few examples that I've thought of over the years: Jenny of Jenny's Ice Cream, who has been on the show. If you haven't had Jenny's Ice Cream, just what the freaking heck are you listening to this podcast for? Get in your – don't get in your car. Stay at home, people. Order it. I'm sure – I don't know. Whatever. It depends where you live. But Jenny's Ice Cream, one day, one time or another, you got to taste it because it's fantastic. And Jenny has specifically said her obsession with making food and being – you know, and creating ice cream or whatever it is, is being a host. It's serving humanity. That is the heart of a servant. Uh, Alanis Morissette says that her – concerts are service. Even if they're things that maybe she's not working through right now, songs that in the past were right where she was, but it's not where she is anymore. She will go to that place just to serve the people that are there. And uh, I think Beyonce is such a great example in recent years of somebody who put her career on the line to protect and serve her community. And I think she risked a lot of things with a lot of the, uh, you know, risky choices that she's made in the past, I don't know, five or six years um, as, as service to people she cares about. Number four is quality time. Quality time is just spending time, extra time when in the love language. It just means doing something with that person where you're both experiencing something pleasurable, watching a movie together, playing a board game, going on a hike. Like I believe that the, the foundation of this is that when you spend time with somebody, they feel worthy of love. They feel special. I think these people have a heightened sense of time and its value. And if you are going to spend the limit, the most limited resource you have on them, they feel worthy and appreciated and, and, and lucky to be in relationship to you. And I think examples of this in terms of creativity, obvious examples, painters, people that will just uh, labor over something, especially hyper-realism, fiber artists, you know, people that do embroidery like my wife, Sophie, uh, you know, it's so time intensive and it's almost like spending quality time with the person that buys that thing because you know that they poured their most scarce resource into this thing and it, and it shows. You know, animation I think is like this like this, a novelist, uh, and then not video games for me. You know, I've been increasingly obsessed with video games. I play them mostly after 8.30 p.m. to about 11 uh, after the kids are in bed, and I've just fallen in love with video games and the worlds, and uh, I honestly think it's, in terms of media, it's kind of the cutting edge of storytelling and, and technology, and when I play video games, that's kind of what I'm struck by is that the people that put their lives into creating this va these vast make-believe worlds, like it feels – I feel lucky. I feel like privileged to, to live in a time where th these things exist, as ridiculous as that might sound. Um, examples of this. My wife, like I said, the Thread House on Instagram, she makes um, really lovely uh, embroidery. It's one of the reasons I fell in love with her is her art. Uh, speaking of love languages.
she pours her time and energy into these things. C.J. Hendry is an example, hyper-realistic, color pencil work. And then back to video games, Skyrim. I, I beat Skyrim uh, a year ago, two years ago. And just the layers, man, the folklore. There are so many books in that game where you can like read books because they're so dense and there was so much time spent just building and crafting that world and just over and over you uncover another layer or another portal or another uh you know race of uh characters and their backstory and their history and the it, it's just so vast it 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 feels like quality time baked into creativity all right, that's enough about video games for this week. Number five, my favorite, my primary creative love language is words of affirmation. So words of affirmation, what this is about is, you know, obviously in the love language sense, it's just people affirming you, loving you, you know, seeing you and then saying what they see. And I am somebody who that's my primary love language in real life. You know, sometimes Sometimes I think you can know your love language by what makes you feel vulnerable because it, it, it hits you a nerve and then it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, they're going to see that this is doing it for me. And anytime I've had, a, had someone close to me really, really speak their heart and get past me being self-deprecating or whatever, that's the, I, I remember those times when someone said, hey, I love you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I love you too. And they're like, no, I want you to know. I think you are fantastic and I really care about you. And if you do that to me, I'm going to cry. But it only works if it's the truth. I think that the, the foundation of this love language is truth, speaking truth that is affirming. It can't just be platitudes. It can't be empty. It can't be unspecific and generic. It has to be true. And I think artists that work in this medium, they have a message. They have a truth. They have a word that they want to share with humanity uh, that, is a, that is affirming about our existence. And people like that, like I said, that's my primary one. I think my friend, illustrator, artist, author, Lisa Congdon is one of these people. Hannah Gadsby strikes me as one of these people. Uh, you know, she did a, a special about being a gay woman and a special about being on the spectrum. And really, there's just a message to what uh, Hannah does. And James Baldwin is another example. You know, every creative thing that he made had a specific message. And if this is you, the trick that I've learned is when I make whatever I make, whenever I make it, I always start with what do I want to say? And I want to ask why until I get to the nugget of truth that I'm trying to bake into my work. Those are the creative love languages. You know, explore which feels right and start thinking about how can you use these as creative prompts to make your work and make art, which is love at scale. Number three, number three is uh, simple, but hard to do. And number three is thrive. We talked about, this is kind of part two to uh, episode 301, where we talked about, uh, you know, making your work about the journey, not the destination and enjoying the work as you're making it going towards your goal and in making sure that you prioritize joy in the creative process. And the second thing I said we should prioritize is meaning. And, and, and this, that's what this whole episode is about, this higher meaning, higher calling of creativity. But 
I think it's easy to get distracted with those higher intentions and make it too self-sacrificial, too high and mighty, too self-important. And that's not really the point of this episode. Last episode, I quoted Howard Thurman saying, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And why I say number three is thrive prioritize you being full and at your peak performance and your best self because nothing is going to clear the way for the people like you coming up from behind you, like seeing someone like them doing it, someone like them living the life they didn't know what was that was possible. For me, when I come into contact with people like Jim Carrey or Sinbad or uh, – Dave Pilkey, uh, that I know have ADHD and figured out how to sublimate it from a weakness into a strength. When I see that, it opens up my limiting beliefs and what I think is possible and who I can be and what I can achieve just by seeing them live a full life. And so rather than getting bogged down and saving the world with your creativity, If you will focus on being the best version of you and loving what you do, nothing is more powerful than that. And instead of me pontificating on this, I thought we could bring on a friend of mine, Francie, who I think embodies this and and can really show us how to take this whole idea of creativity as a higher form of communication to the next level. And without me giving away anything, let's just hear Francie's story. Okay, uh, I'm Francie Goudreau. I'm a record producer, sound designer, and screenwriter from up here in London, Ontario, Canada. I'm also the front man of a punk rock band called Hello Kelly. Um, so I have a speech disability. Some people call it a stutter, which is fine, but uh, it really helps me to call it a speech disability. Uh, if I speak at a typical rate, you'll 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 n- n- notice I stutter and get stuck. Um, in person, it's much more difficult to maintain this kind of fluency, but when I'm alone in my studio, like I am now, uh, it's a lot easier. So, uh, growing up, you know, I was a smart kid. I was creative. Uh, I wanted to tell stories. It wasn't enough just to play Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog. I'd turn around and write like 10 storybooks uh, about their continued quests, you know, and, uh, and I'd illustrate them and staple them. Anyway, uh, I was crafty and resourceful uh, in school, uh, even though I had a stutter. I didn't want to like opt out of the oral presentations. You know, I'd get up in front of the class and I'd sing a song about the the book report or whatever it uh, was, because because uh, you because a lot of people who have a stutter they can sing just fine. Um, But, you know, everything changed in junior high because that's when you're suddenly super aware of what everyone else thinks. And for me, I was really just obsessed about how different I was. I didn't care if I was creative or talented. I just wanted to be normal. I wanted to talk as fast as my friends. I wanted to be able to tell a joke and not get stuck at the punchline. There's nothing less funny than stuttering on a punchline. I wanted to put my hand up in class. You know, most of the time, the teachers would ask a question. I knew the answer, but uh, my teachers all assumed I was uh, dumb or a slacker uh, because... I never said a thing. You know, how's anyone supposed to know you're a smart kid 
if you can't uh, express your smart ideas. So, you know, through high school, I didn't feel known, heard, seen, kind of like when you shake up a can of Coke, you know, and it's, and it's trying to explode. A lot of artists can probably relate to that feeling. Um, so, but one day I'm homesick from school, just kind of killing time. And I found my dad's old electric guitar in the basement and it was all covered in rust, like some kind of Indiana Jones, you know, and antique. Uh, and I don't know why, but I spent the whole day cleaning that guitar. Uh, and my parents must have thought that was cool because uh, pretty soon after I had my own. Uh, and learning to play it was kind of boring until I discovered that I could write songs. Uh, I already knew that I could sing without stuttering, which is a pretty incredible cosmic gift, uh, you know, but, uh, realizing I had a decent voice and I could write these songs about anything I want. I could say whatever the heck I wanted to. I felt like a kid who had found some kind of, uh, mystical portal, you know, to a new realm of possibility. Uh, people seemed to care about these songs, so I started a band, uh, and I called it Hello Kelly, and, um, you know, like any other artist, my origin story is just my origin story, and, uh, I'm sure we all could, could, you know, have, uh, sequels and prequels that we could tell. There's all kinds of ups and ups and downs, but uh, I'm still making music with that band today, and I'm more in love with it now than I ever have been. I can express things that I literally can't express otherwise, and that's really powerful. When Andy uh, asked me to share my story, I was terrified and honored. Um, I'm really grateful for the Creative Pep Talk community, and I hope you guys are all staying pepped up. So rock and roll, have a good one. Go check out Hello Kelly wherever you get your music, or go follow him on Instagram at Hello Kelly Music. Francie, man, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I'm so inspired and moved by it. And, uh, and I, and I'm grateful for you to step out of your comfort zone and, and use words like that, but I can't think of a better way to end this episode than to let you share some of yourself your way. So here it is, Francie singing with his band, Hello Kelly, and, uh, playing their song, Sweet Nostalgia.
wrap up number one see art as high lingual it's a higher form of communication use it as a creative prompt to express things that you're desperate to express that no one will listen to that no one seems to get use your art as a superpower to help them get it that will make great art number two is figure out your creative love language so that you can make more potent art and more exacting art that hits the target, hits the bullseye in ways that you never have. Number three is just thrive. Don't overthink saving the world with your creativity. You being your best you and living a full life where you're fulfilled will show people like you and people in your lane that it's possible and you will clear the path for them. The last thing I want to say Speaking of expressing things that nobody seems to get, why don't you guys all watch Fraggle Rock yet? I've told you it's my favorite creative thing that's probably ever been made, and it's amazing. And my favorite character from Fraggle Rock is a Fraggle named Cantus, played by Jim Henson. He's only on a few episodes, but he's kind of an enigmatic, mysterious, mystic, kind of Yoda-ish you know, divine character that speaks in riddles and in wisdom. One of my favorite quotes of his is, everything is important or nothing is. I prefer the former. And I want to twist that, put my own remix on it, and use this podcast, my art, my medium, to express this, that every voice is important or none of them are. And I prefer the former. Go tell your story. Go be seen. Go be heard. Honk if you're human. Every human needs to honk and tell their story. Make some noise. Whoa, man. He just like blew my mind. Highlingual, y'all. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing this show so beautifully. Thank you to Ryan Appleton for all other stuff, making this podcast possible, helping with sponsors, etc. Thank you for listening. Until we speak again, stay pepped up.